welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. I'm thrilled to be joined by Emelina Fredrickson and Arash Kapoor, who are presenting You Touch Me at the Dance Centre on the 8th, 9th and 10th of December. The process has extended over several years and uh, several iterations with presentations and stalled presentations, which is in itself its own narrative. We'll be diving into their experiences of the process in relation to this work and finding out more about how they came to this process and its concept and beyond, including their dance trajectories leading to this point in time. But before we start the conversation, here's an introduction to Emelina and Arash. Emelina Fredrickson is a contemporary dance artist living and working in Vancouver, Canada, as a guest on the ancestral unceded lands of the Coast Salish peoples. Her practice is defined by choreography as a relational practice in the expanded fields of dance, often collaborating with artists and of other disciplines, creating choreographic experiences and dance for social events, films, galleries and performance. Born in Sweden, she received her training at Ballet Akademien in Umea and at SEED in Austria, which is the Salzburg Experimental Academy of Dance. Emelina has presented choreographic work performed and taught internationally with Dagda Dance in Ireland, Canal Dance in France, Malta University, Pact Solverein and Falmouth University, among others, and has been based in Vancouver since 2013. Emelina holds an MFA degree from Simon Fraser University and is currently a term lecturer on the School of Contemporary Arts, Dance and Theatre programs. Originally from Tehran and based in Vancouver, Arash Kakpur is privileged to be a dance artist who has immigrated to the ancestral and unceded Coast Salish territory. Arash's practice is concerned with the reveal of the complexity of the human experience and of having a body. He investigates how thoughts influence the body and how bodily states and sensations influence thoughts. This leads to his ever-evolving interest in experiencing what it feels like to be a body without any direct focus on intellectual thinking and concerns. How can I just be a body? Arash's desire is to see whether performance can be a process to interrogate the body and to investigate alternate ways of being, seeing, and feeling. His interest in dancing as a language that researches the human condition through historical, social, political, spiritual, and existential interpretations. Arash is the co-founder of the dance theatre company, The Biting School, alongside his brother, Ario Kakpur, and co-founder of Vancouver's guerrilla performance group, Press Paradise. Arash is grateful to be the 2016 recipient of Dance Victoria's Crystal Dance Prize with Emelina Fredrickson for the creation of this work we're talking about today, You Touch Me. Let's start this conversation. So I am delighted to be joined by Emelina and Arash at this time. They have jumped into this podcast interview with me, having just come out of rehearsals. I'm very excited to talk with them, not only about the project that they're currently working on, but about their own histories, their own careers and trajectories. And I'm going to start by asking them what they would like to share with us about why they started to dance or where the performance and the choreographic experiences came in for them in their careers. 
and whether they would like to share with us kind of key stages of their careers leading up to this, just to give us a little bit of insight into kind of a little bit of aesthetics and training and how they've kind of arrived at this, maybe even talking about how you arrived at this together. So it's a wide open question. Maybe Emelina can start. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great question. And actually made me think in this very moment, just what we were rehearsing in the studio right before this, we were rehearsing a section of the piece that we call the game. And we were talking about a sense of athleticism that Rash and I are both interested in. So when you asked me, how did I come to dance in the first place? I grew up with, uh, I'm the youngest of four and I grew up in a very um, sporty family <laughs> with a lot of physical activity. And I actually started playing soccer it was my first sort of physical practice. And then I was really interested in theater and then about the around the age maybe of eight, nine, I discovered dance. Uh, but so in my body before that was competitive sports, uh, team sports specifically, and theater. And then I got just so enchanted with dance. And uh, I didn't start doing ballet till maybe age 15 or so. So I tried a lot of other things. Uh, and at some point, I guess I decided that I was like, oh, this, I think this is it. This is what I want to do. It's a lot of umming and aahing. It's hard to tell your whole life story in a short amount of time. But I went to train in Sweden because I didn't know what kind of form of dance I really wanted to do. So the first professional training I did was more modern dance, more ballet, jazz. And I realized, I was like, I think I want to go more into abstraction or theater uh, in that realm and then I got into the school in Austria which was very at the time it was quite it was Salzburg Experimental Academy of Dance we always used to joke that it should be called Salzburg Academy of Experimental Dance and not an experimental academy uh, <laughs> it's an inside seed joke uh, I think the, the point was though that it was contemporary in its essence when it was founded and I felt so at home when I got there it was it was very athletic, the dance forms we were training in, too. It was a lot of floor work, a lot of contact improvisation. And so I'm kind of drawing that link for myself, I think, at the moment. Between, yeah, growing up with two older brothers and uh, a lot of sports and sort of let's, you know, put on the ice skates and skate across the lake and then uh, how I came to dance from that place. That's so great because I feel like there's a lot of the, the dynamism like that's kind of you. <laughs> uh, it's also like I, I love that context that it's kind of like putting that dynamic into an experimental dance studio space that's allowed you to kind of like use continue to express that and refine that through dance form and bring all of that sports background with you into, you know, the grace and strength you have when you move I think that's I think that's really lovely and I like the game I like the idea of the moving the kind of idea of team sports into a game mm -hmm. you know is kind of a, a really interesting trajectory so yeah I think that's really cool what about you Arash yeah it's nice to think about these I haven't thought about the trajectory in a while no I I used to I growing up I used to Yes, a, a lot of sports. I started with gymnastics very seriously. And I, I, at that point, I, I was 10, 11, until 11 years old. I was doing a lot of gymnastics. 
And then I had an, it's specific incident and an injury that just kind of stopped. I completely stopped. And I remember also thinking, oh, I'd like to do something group oriented. I'd like to do something. It's lonely. Like gymnastics is so lonely. You're alone. And you have a team, but still you're alone. Uh, you've got to have your, you know, your performance uh, mindset and your, it's everything's you. So there was something about the group thing. And my brother used to play basketball and he's older than me. And I remember seeing him be like, oh yeah, that's, that makes more sense. I'd like to do that. I, I, I want to do a group thing, a group sport. And uh, yeah, then I got into basketball around, I believe it was uh, 11, 12. Yeah. Then I, uh, till 14 in, in Iran, I started to get very serious about basketball. Then we were just about to go into like the more, uh, com- like, you know, kind of more um, competitive and athletic years of basketball, which is for 15, 16 into the adult teams. And uh, then we moved to Canada. Then I played basketball throughout high school all the time, pretty much. That's all I was doing. And uh, then dance wise, I had a friend who uh, used to do a ballroom. So waltz and tango and she 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 just said you know i could just teach you for free and you could you could do this with me and we know each other and and i was like yeah that's a pretty good idea so we just stay after after school or whatever uh whenever we could to do this for a recital and yeah so i learned waltz and tango and i got uh and as i was doing as as i was playing basketball and and playing games and and then i took a a course in in pine tree secondary which is where i went to school uh they had a dance course which was i think dance like grade 11 dance and grade 12 which was amazing our teacher was a fantastic is is a fantastic uh, salsa dancer part part of a whole big group and but but she knew all kinds of she's an actor director and dancer and new contemporary dance and jazz and everything so she had this, this wild program that you get into so i just signed up for that for grade 12 final year and as I was finishing basketball and uh, yeah, so I got into that and I did a recital show and had a so you think and dance section and as actually as well. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. I'm wiggling I, my shoulders at them. I, I believe it. I totally believe it. Do you remember your teacher's do you remember your teacher's name? It's okay if yes, you don't. Uh, I just yeah. Roberge. Robert, she's uh, I've seen her since then as well. She's come to some of my shows. She's fantastic. Can you say her name again? Coco Roberge or uh, Nicole Roberge. And uh, Nicole Roberge. Uh, her first name. But, but uh, yeah, it had a big, big, big effect on me, I think, and her approach to it. And I think I told her at some point, I, said, I think I'm more serious about this thing. And then mm-hmm. uh, basketball was ending, and I didn't think I was going to go into basketball, college basketball. I was like, oh, that, that feels wrong. And then I was, then I also found out that I was like, oh, dance can be solo and group. Like there's something really amazing about that. You can pretty quickly switch between uh, any of those as a sport too. And then I got into doing some drop-ins in contact improvisation and at EDAM and then doing drop-in classes with uh, Barbara Bourget, Kokoro. Uh, I remember I just walked in. I was pretty scared of what her class would be like. So I asked her to sit in without doing it. And she said, yes, that's fine. And I sat, watched the whole class. And then I said, okay, I'll come back tomorrow. 
and then Excellent. I went back. And it's a very hard class, but a great opportunity. Yeah, I remember doing 64 Grand Batmo in one of those classes. And I think I, and I was going for like just two weeks and my thighs completely changed in two weeks of doing those classes. Yeah. Like I just completely, absolutely. You just completely, jump for 20 just, minutes sometimes. Yeah, you just jump for 20 minutes and Grand Batmo for seven. Yeah, I just. So that was my, that was my very fresh beginning uh, up until 19, basically, 18 ish year. So I, I love this personally because I was also I am a ballroom I was a ballroom dancer and I've always felt that my style of movement comes from my training in ballroom when I've had a partner like mine was I got my teaching certificate when I was sixteen so it was very you know kind of regimented like in the waltz tango all of those things but like syllabus style <laughs> you know so that's a little different to maybe what you're talking about. But I've always felt that 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 sense of an invisible partner. So even if I'm not contact improving, I've always had this extra person that I feel like I could potentially be dancing with when I'm dancing. And it feels mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. lovely. And I think it comes from that sense of like team, maybe a little bit of competition sometimes, you know, like just having that mindset because I did dance festivals my whole life. So that was that was a bit different. But I was also in the netball team. So I, I love this. I love the parallels here. I think it's really great. I think too, it's like, it's a great question, Claire, because it made me think too about how we we met dancing at Edom and through yeah. the community. And I think maybe we're thinking about these histories that we have. And I can only speak for myself in this moment. But I think there was a permission in the energy when we met to be very physical like I didn't feel like I had to be careful with you in the way that maybe I sometimes ask you know I'm not super skinny and I was often the like the more rowdy one in a room mm -hmm. and when I met you I felt like your energy met mine and I mm -hmm. didn't have to be so careful and so I could be my full athletic self and also my tender sort of or like gentle self and then I think there was also the permission to, um, which is also takes us into the piece a little bit, which I feel like you probably also are aware of, Claire, when you're not from a place and you're not fully understanding the like, what are the social codes? How am I supposed to behave? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of it, you sometimes like you like you hold back and you don't not sure what to say. And meeting you, I felt also this permission in that I could say things that Maybe I wasn't sure if I could say, or there was a lot of freedom and play in mm -hmm. that meeting. So maybe that is a little bit where we both came from, yeah, certain environments and that like that energetic meeting that happens. I think there's a, for me, there's also this, uh, there's something about trusting when you meet somebody who's from somewhere else. And when you arrive at a new place and you meet somebody who's from somewhere else, there's an element of trusting that they are bringing with them different cultural norms if you like or different things that and so there's there's also an openness to finding out more about that other person mm -hmm. I think we all have that like all being you know kind of immigrants if you like you know to to Canada for you know all, all of our own reasons but but there is something about there's already an openness we've already made this decision to move to somewhere else yeah. And so there's already this, I, I feel it gives us an innate sense of trust in the, in the not known. Mm -hmm. And we find a support network with each other that gives us time to, to, to know each other, but without us having to um, give in to the cultural norms that we haven't yet learned, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like the door is open a little bit there. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's a different audience when you, 
when you connect and have conversations with someone you know, everything they know about you comes in, whether mm -hmm. whether it's subconscious. But when you go to talk to someone they don't know, there's not there's no other reference. All they're getting mm -hmm. is what you're getting there. And I love that about audiences too, where even with this piece, mm -hmm. I love going somewhere else because all of me, everything I've done comes there. And they don't know, but they can feel it. They can feel your mm -hmm. experience. They can feel your tendencies they can feel your style and and like your desire for things and it's just that one show whereas mm -hmm. like when you do performance in vancouver they'll be like oh i remember you did this thing you did in the last show but it's a different version or like you know everybody has a reference and i think that's also valuable but there's something about meeting the new person which was this piece it's like okay what what can we do with these tasks with our own languages with curiosity with play and then not worry about an end point and then see what kind of containers and and uh, scores come up so what's really cool from what i've seen so far of things and kind of doing my own research you know back through your archives for this piece i won't bring in other pieces and <laughs> i won't do that uh, you've warned me arash that's, that's a good warning <laughs> That's a really good warning. It's like, oh, strike that, strike that. No, that there's, what's great about this piece is that you are doing that, bringing yourselves in a team. You're bringing yourselves in, in tasks that bring you together. And so what you're also getting, which both of you have very much, you know, say in your um, bios and that your work is about this kind of the social, you know, the social dynamics, and you get that in this piece, that how you arrive into a social situation, how you are relationally, um, you know, expressing yourselves with the tasks and the things that you've set up for an audience to then engage with you in. So I think there are so many layers of, of what you're talking about in this work. I think that's really exciting because I think what, what also happens is that you give permission for the audience to laugh, to become familiar with how you make certain gestures and how you contact each other without saying too much. And then there's also still that mystery around the different languages that that may or may not be in this iteration of the work. So I'm wondering if maybe we could shift all of this a little bit into language or a little bit about the different elements you would like listeners to know about coming in to watch this work or things that have been in the process and also maybe then give you hand this over to you to make sure you only tell the listeners what you want them to know in advance. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a word that's come up, uh, words that have come up during rehearsal this past week, and especially returning uh, to the ensemble and the work, uh, we were supposed to premiere the work in 2020. And so we had a a research period at the end of 2019 and we did a studio showing here you know the future was bright <laughs> we all know what happened. the future uh, was 2020 yeah <laughs> was 2020 magic was gonna happen and so coming back with the ensemble and we've also two of our dancers that was part of the original ensemble are not joining us this time we just had to acknowledge too that it's like two years have passed and so where do we start from? Like, we have a history together, but we're also different people. Where do we start from? Uh, and one, a couple of the words that have come up that is also related to the languages, the verbal languages and the physical languages, and even the notions of how to relate to the other. And because we think maybe of the cultural landscape that we are in or that we've moved through is words around nuance 
ambiguity, uh, sitting in the thing of could it be multiple things at the same time? Because there is, yeah, I maybe stop me if I'm talking too much, but mm-hmm. it makes me think about when uh, Natalie Gann, who's uh, one of the performers in the work, in the very first phase, she kind of pointed something out. She said, what is this? Is this like United Nations or something? We're all just happy and getting along all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought it was a very good comment because it's like the work, it's not necessarily about agreeing and being in harmony. And it's all just, you know, a rose shimmered reality. Like it's not about that, but it is about being with each other in the things that we can understand and the things that we can't understand or the things that we want to give space for each other to be in and mm-hmm. and with that it comes that we have to sit in our discomfort as much as our comfort we have to trust to sit and ooh yeah how would i feel about this or uh, oh i totally would like make that assumption about someone and what does that what does that give me to reflect upon and how does that feel uh, and I think especially even when we think about verbal language, because we do spend a lot of time speaking our own languages. I don't speak Farsi and Arash doesn't speak Swedish. So we, in the very early beginning of this, we would spend an hour or so and say, okay, no English allowed. You only speak Farsi, I only speak Swedish. And there is so The opposite much, of when you move here, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and it, there's so much nuance in like what we could understand and what we had no idea. So even in like speaking to opposite languages or opposite or just different languages. And I think being in the ensemble, is interesting because there's some languages that are more similar to others. So there's some of the people that understand each other more verbally. And even I think Farsi and French sometimes sounds very similar in terms of the sound yeah, yeah, totally. too. So there is something about this idea of like what is lost in translation and what is found in being different and other yeah and i mean just to follow up a little bit uh is that also the containers were meant to be you know a a space where we can also like let go of like this concert dance idea and uh be like well how about we we actually truly play and experiment in front of you instead of execute in front of you and uh, see just see what happens what comes up what feelings what textures uh, what ideas come up for the audience too. And I think if we think about what, yeah, what we were doing is also checking in and giving space to the performer to be where they are at that day. And when there is no a necessity for execution, then the performer actually has a chance to do that. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, so basically, yeah, it's that for us, it was more that what if we truly there, you know, there was a, there was a day that you know we went on stage and and I I just that morning and afternoon I had heard a, um, a I got a phone call about a my friend dying uh, five years ago and you know I didn't know how to you know the, the the performance was the place to process it and I feel that I learned a lot from doing that and I think it wasn't stressful because the piece I was allowed to be where I was at and of course it changed how I performed. Uh, and in some places more vulnerable, in some others not so much. But like I was allowed to be myself. When someone asked me how did you, and then I told him, I said, well, I just feel like I'm glad it was this piece because I don't know how, what I would do in a different piece. 
um, that I could just be there. Which yeah. makes me think about the, so maybe the listeners do not know, but this originated as a duet between Arash and I, and now we are trying to make the ensemble work of it. So can I just go, this wasn't 2019, right? This was back in 2017 when you actually presented it as a duet. Yes. I believe. And we actually yeah. started it in 2016. The first mm -hmm. residency yeah. we had was in 2016. So it's also a long time ago in 2017, it premiered as a duet. But I think what you're saying, Arash, is interesting to think of how do we put a work like this or how do we expand a work like this onto other performers? But what we've learned which is so beautiful that it's not about them performing it like us. It's about them performing it like them. And so it's been such a beautiful explosion of possibilities in terms of the things, how they respond to some of these tasks. And uh, Kate Franklin, who's our rehearsal director, one of the first days she said, this is just going to be great. It's going to be incredible because you're all such different beautiful, complex human beings. And yeah. I think there's exactly what you're saying is that the amount of times that we have performed it and even inviting these other people in, it is in a way a new show every time because it's not about doing same the prescribed thing. same thing. It is a container for which... For something to happen. For yeah. something to happen. Really, yeah, yeah. And hence the questions. The, the core of it, the heart of it really is... Uh, a series of questions that we could think of that same day or and so and that was really the basis i think of 2016 start yeah so it makes it like like i was just thinking about like how we say oh it's a container anything can happen the containers are quite specific yeah and like you're talking about the interview for example so now yeah. i'm giving it away one is called the game one is called the interview <laughs> but it doesn't do it. it doesn't give away anything no, no. one knows this but it doesn't give it doesn't give away the content it just kind of sparks and triggers something for like mm. oh what could be yeah it's making me think as well that the title also helps in this context of what we're talking about, allow for you two to be touched by the other performers and their responses to things that you started. And so what you're doing in the in part of your performance is also allowing yourselves to be surprised by uh, and embodied an embodied surprise, you know, like to actually start to kind of allow that to come out in the decisions you make in the moment as performers based on what these other people the expansion of your team has allowed and um, which I think is really really great because yeah you can't know you can't really know how somebody else is going to perform in this kind of container right you've allowed yeah. that as well and the idea is not you know like I think it's also we are just one group that uh, speaks yeah the different languages and we do dance in a specific way and we have specific dance skill sets but the idea wasn't to cover the whole society no. the idea no. was to dance with our <laughs> and invite them to to really get really tight on the boundaries so that we could only really, yeah, we, we could just only invite certain people. And definitely there was a point we had an audition as well. And that also narrows down even in audition. And that was interesting to just also experience, like who is in this city that is a dancer that's, you know, that their first language is not English or they've had an experience of culturally being in a different space. And and that that was all, I think there's a lot of learning in all of that, that the whole Process. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a, there's also, I'm not going to dwell on this for any length of time, but I just want to, there's also an aesthetic thing around training. Mm -hmm. So then when you're all in town and you're all in the same place mm -hmm. and you're all training, there's a kind of an aesthetic that you are also accessing in those auditions with these dancers that is mm -hmm. a kind of common, you know, in a way it kind of creates a kind of the fabric 
of of you know how you can how the team then kind of puts that out in the world so it is contained as well also by that which i think is really beautiful and i i recognize too just um i don't know if this is will be interesting to keep or not but thinking <laughs> about what you said of it takes a certain i think maturity and trust in your own performativity to go out on stage and be as open as we were trying to be so we recognize quite soon also that like old like a little bit older dancers was better than two like fresh out of school or too young except Jolene who's one of our dancers yes. who was away in the audition and we were like she's ready she's so ready uh, but there is something about not being with this work we couldn't be too concerned with looking good <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say that the, also the contact. So maybe this is what I'm why I went to the aesthetic and a generalized thing about aesthetic, because there is something really beautiful and kind of in in the rawest possible way um, of contact dance, because there is awkwardness in in its in, you know in those moments of meeting when you encounter each other, which is a word I like to use in my research. There is it, it's all of it. Mm. You know, you can't have you can't have it. Can't just be precise, or even the even the precision is in the awkwardness sometimes. So I just wanted to add that into the aesthetic, which I think is is really great and humorous, and graceful, and you know at the same time it's all of these things because you have to be so competent to be able to do what you're talking about, not only just in front of an audience, just anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So the other is intensified. Again, going against the dancers should not hear dancers breathing or talking or yeah. voice. It's like we're completely doing the opposite. I mean, we start with vocalizing and and vocalization and talking and then and then dancing and talking while dancing. So it's like, what if we actually are allowed to do all of these things? Yeah. And what if yeah. that enriches the experience of the audience as well? So I, I think there's something about, obviously this whole time, this past five years until now is also about breaking the borders and boundaries and pushing past uh, what we think is true and is, is possible. I'm reminding people that, that the people who are dancing are expressing themselves as humans. Yeah. You know, like that, that we're in that, we're there now. You know, yeah. like we have enough dance styles and dance does enough, enough stuff, you know, it connects to enough things for it to just be like for movement to be dance. You know, it doesn't, I think that's, I think that's what's so, so exciting about it. Claire, yeah, I'm just curious, just one, uh, when did you see it, the piece? Um, hmm, I've watched Sorry, a few I'm little. Was that live or video? No, it was, it's video. I've seen, I, I watched some video stuff okay. on your YouTube or website, but I do think, think I saw you two do it uh, a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, because yeah, you, you sound like you totally know it. And I was wondering, I was like, when like, did you watch did it? it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I, just, I just get into my research and I really like doing that. So I actually forget whether I saw it live or on video because I get so in. I'm just like <laughs> a bit of a sponge <laughs> that way. <laughs> I, I, just, that. I just try to get in there. <laughs> Amazing. And I that I think even the fact that you bring that up is like of dancers being humans and that we can be ourselves. A, an effect of this work in the past, which will be really interesting to see with a with an ensemble and with a group. But often when we would do it as a duet, after the show, people would come up to us and they want to tell us their answer to some of the questions or they want to share something from their lives. So 
it was clear to me that there was a lot of space for them to reflect on their own experiences throughout life, whether that also be in relation to otherness or uh, assumptions or prejudices, like hard things that is hard to come up against, but also some things that they were like, wow, yeah, you know, this like, this happened to me. So there is a sense of us breaking some of that fourth wall also gave the audience some permission to want to share with us their own lives. And so that in and of itself also became then a meeting and this idea of who touches who and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's absolutely beautiful. So aside from like COVID itself coming in and disrupting everything in the way that it did and all of the things that we have endured and survived around that and in in the climate that we're in at the moment and the kind of what would you say is the biggest challenge or even has been the biggest challenge maybe in coming back to this work like you said returning to the work or or even what what do you find is your current challenge now or that you is there one have you overcome them or is is there one that you think you've overcome the challenges of the you know this piece in any this piece or any well maybe but i think i think i'm thinking more of the time frame through covid mm-hmm. um that we that everything was kind of on hold and i am maybe thinking of how what was the challenge to return to the piece mm-hmm. so yeah we could start there but i'm also if you are willing also open to you answering that question on a more personal level that's not necessarily about this process mm-hmm. or maybe they're intertwined so much mm-hmm. yeah this i think there's a lot of intertwined it came up today in rehearsal and the both in the check-ins and the checkout like how this work percolates like outside of the rehearsal time and whether mm-hmm. that is challenging things or just inspirational thoughtful things so I, I feel for me personally, it's also, it's fa- like I also, I came into rehearsal today and we started and then I just had to cry and mm-hmm. the space allows for that because that's where I we need to be there where we can be that open. So I think that's sometimes what's the most beautiful things and sometimes it's, it's challenging because we're not always safe enough to do that in terms of other jobs or things. There's something about the container of the room and the people in it that is, so amazing but sometimes that the fact that it's so safe and good it sometimes makes me go to places that's hard in myself I guess that's mm-hmm. but that's also what the work is designed to and do things, yeah. well yeah and then you're putting that into the rehearsal room but then you don't have a rehearsal room like you have a place to be present yes. you know like rehearsal room doesn't work yeah. either for your no. process calling no. it that so it's not it's just like yeah. it's a time capsule together that's the thing too where it's like I recognize that it's like sometimes it's hard to leave it in the studio you know and that's both a good and a bad thing but sometimes you're like I just wanted to go home and make dinner and now I spent the whole night thinking about (laughs) this thing but I and I think just working with other people to talk about consent around that has felt important that we want them to know that they can also choose how far they go because it's one thing when we're prodding each other and pushing each other to go into deeper spaces because it is Mm. our work but then paying people to do it you're like make sure you take care of yourself yeah and and hence Um, like you know that there's like certain rituals and practices that we got to keep in place when mm -hmm. we want to go into places of discovery and when it's physical and emotional and like you know like emily says things come up sometimes 
uh, and actually they come up all the time, but we, we, we just have learned to push them down. So when they come up all the time, there has to be space for processing it uh, with ourselves, but also in the room. Sometimes we process over the weekend and we come back and remember we want to talk about something. So we, we try to have really, like we say, check in, check out. We check into rehearsal as a, every person speaks uh, with a certain time frame and then check out. But to me, that's also part of our lives and, yeah, a part of the work we're doing in our practice. It's not sort of like, oh, now we did this, now let's get to the dancing part. There is no separation. Yeah. Well, I think that's really important around the idea of consent, too, because what you're doing is you're checking in and what the terms of consent are for that particular day. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if I had, <laughs> I sometimes want to do midday check-in too, you know, like every time, today. every time you get to take a break or something, you got to go take check-in again <laughs> until no one wants to check-in anything. <laughs> and yeah. Until they just got, you just got a code. Yeah. You just got a gesture of some kind that's like <laughs> your sign. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, no, a big one has been, it's like no elephants in the hallway, like all the elephants in the room. So when things come up to... Uh, that we bring them up with each other, which is where the trust is built too. And then I think that's what you see in the piece. That's also where it can go to the extremes of joy and celebration and also darkness and yeah. fear is because we, in part of the process is building that trust, but that is not always easy. So that's yeah. well, well, I mean, I mean, challenging. Yeah, and I think part of the yeah. trust is to learn how people work and how yeah. every person works. And so oftentimes, again, when going back to execution rather than like actually where we're at, is like in the execution world of arts, I guess you have to fit into what the other, the leader wants to work like uh, or their rhythm, their desires, their tendencies. And and I think, I guess the question is, how do we open that up within the time frame we have? So in a, in a process of, of that, we know there is a show at the end, right? There is no secret. So I think part of it is that also we're learning as we go. We've never done this with a group as a show inside as dancers is that we're learning, okay, oh, how does everybody work? Like, well, we did that yesterday and someone goes like, oh, I totally loved it. And the other person is like, I really hate doing yeah. that. And so it's like, <laughs> at least we can now integrate it into, or not even, we might not be able to entirely, but we can do our best to try. Like, okay, so if that class uh, or that order of things didn't work, can we go think about how to change it slightly to fit in in between in the gray area of what everyone uh, might be wanting to? And then the person might kind of be like, actually, I, I, my feelings change. I, I like it now. Or so, you know, like all these things is like if it's like if we don't talk about it and that realize that that is actually part of the work, then it's never going to happen. It goes to the hallways and it goes home and it goes to to down into the darkness. <laughs> the, lone, the lonely lonely darkness yeah. like to the yeah to the self the self dark space it's true and yeah i have this image of the elephants in the hallway but the but the leash to the elephant being the thing that's kind of not allowing the performers or the people in the room to fully be in the room because they're also thinking about the elephant outside and having to oh, hold wow, it. So I, I've got this, I've got this amazing image of just that and how difficult that would be and how difficult it is when that happens yeah. to kind of try to bring the elephant in as well and say it's okay, you know, it, knock the wall it. down, bring it with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think another challenge yeah. in the work itself, which being in the studio today, a lot of the work is also as a tool or as a tactics that we developed 
to open ourselves up was kind of to do that confusion of doing two tasks that are hard to do at the same time. Uh-huh. So the work is do this while also doing this. And so <laughs> Natalie said today, because you were working, when I entered the studio today, you were working on a very specific contact improvisation skill of rolling, uh, rolling up with the pelvis, like mm-hmm. rolling up someone's back. And the mm-hmm. dancers looked amazing. And then Natalie just like burst out laughing and she said, but I got to speak Cantonese at the same time. <laughs> and Excellent. So, so it's like <laughs> the thing of not only when we speak the languages other than English, it's not just speaking the language, but it's a, entering a whole different identity that we have. And so to be in like a listening contact to it with someone who we mostly engage with in the English language and all of a sudden how do I do it while also being my Swedish identity or for Natalie to be her Cantonese identity? So that is a big challenge just in the work itself, but one that is, it's exciting, it's fun, it's hard. And that's something that we're trying to practice to be in those identities at the same time. Yeah, that's so wonderful. I love that. It's making me think of this kind of finding yourself in a kind of void or like a between space as individuals where you're like, like how where did that come from and then it's just allowing it to kind of settle a little bit before it becomes something that you might even raise with others you know there are those layers of learning happening right and embodiment happening like a surfacing even and deepening both both ways <laughs> going both ways through the body I wonder if we could we've talked quite a bit about your collaborative endeavors and and that's been lovely like how it's just kind of segued between kind of insight and like your mm. actual pragmatics of working together and you've mentioned some key influences in your in your lives mm-hmm. so far but around dance training but I just wanted to give you the opportunity if, the, if there's anybody that you feel like you want to like have been key influences in your life or your work whether they you may never have met them you may never have been in a room with them mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be somebody uh, I want to say somebody you've worked with or someone you haven't yet met or just uh, from history or present day, it just kind of a wide open, just a kind of little bit of a scope of influence. It's uh, it's really, uh, it's kind of like everybody, right? And I think mm. there's no way to say that, oh, you know, I learned these things because I knew them. It's like everything, information is coming from everyone, every teacher you meet. And yeah, I've been very lucky to just be able to do workshops and classes and programs with different people. But I think, I think one of the first times where I felt like, oh, I I love this performance thing, uh, was when I watched a battery opera piece while I was in night mm-hmm. school actually, and I skipped class to go mm-hmm. to the battery opera show, which started just at downtown east side, just close to the fire hall. No, no, yeah, at a bar close to fire hall, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a piece by David McIntosh called "Lives Around Me," mm-hmm. and it's really about it's just giving us a space to look at the lives around us. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's, uh, I, I think it just basically, and I remember in the interviews we had said too, it's about the understanding that the core of this city uh, in a lot of ways comes from us ignoring the reality of downtown east side and, uh, and how strongly it affected me. I couldn't believe what was happening experientially because he basically mm-hmm. takes us for a walk and then these performers hands us, hand us off to each other uh, on the street and they go sometimes inside the space too but like uh five six audience members very small yeah. but that affected me a lot and i said i was like ah oh, this is this is what i mean 
this is what it is. And I, I wasn't really training in dance that much yet, but I remember just randomly I found it and I went and uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those life changing things where for me it brought everything back to uh-huh. um, reality of, of where you live and this, it's connection to the, uh, to the, to the bones of the city that you're mm-hmm. in and people and their realities. And that so much of it is also in the choreography of people getting uncomfortable in a place they haven't been before about society's classes and our um, notion of uh, who we are and what our class is and what our rights are. So, yeah, I would say just, just top of my head, like that's what, for me, that was for for sure. Yeah. That's so timely too, isn't it? I mean, it's always timely in Vancouver because we've got the kind of like areas like most. That was, sorry, uh, it it was 2009. This is a long time ago. Yeah. I was thinking it's a long time ago because I I remember that. I remember that piece. I think it was in Push and David McIntosh is co-artistic director of Battery Opera. So I remember, I remember that whole time and yeah. Yeah. And, and just for being in the downtown East side for a performance like that, where you are walking through one of the kind of, you know, worst postcodes for drugs and homelessness in North America yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, putting you right in the harsh realities of the city. Yeah, yeah, like bringing your own yeah. ignorance right, right into your face in a sense. And I mean, and I'm sure everyone had their own experiences uh, that I don't know what they were, but in terms no. of like stakes being high and then integrating reality into it, for me, it felt like a, uh, for me, it changed my mind about what it can be and, and what actually interests me as a, as a human being to to experience in arts great thank you for sharing all of that i think that's uh yeah i think that's really great just even even if that's not you know you we might finish this interview and you'll be like oh and i didn't mention this one and i didn't mention this one but it's just the way the way you talked about it as well it's partly that right that it's the context that you provide and and the little sparks that happen that connect to um without pigeonholing you yeah. <laughs> as an yeah. artist as well there's so many but i'm just glad that i skipped school that yeah. night. i had a geography yeah. course that night time and i skipped to go i'm very glad that i did yeah excellent skip school sometimes yeah, yeah. i shouldn't say <laughs> that that's the lesson the moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the moral of the story says to go with a phd but i'm um, still <laughs> i did skip school <laughs> I did skip school <laughs> yeah. and I'm definitely skipping it now. So there you go. <laughs> so, um, Emelina, what about you? Do you have, yeah, even if it's snippets? Maybe yeah. around a similar time in my life, I, when I did the, a year-long uh, residency mentoring program with Dag the Dance Company under the direction of Michael, mm-hmm. uh, I think it changed my view on dance a lot. And uh, similarly to... Arash's story, Dagda at that time, it was based in uh, an old church that had been renovated to be a dance space. And it was also in one of the uh, not affluent parts of Limerick. And there was a lot of uh, gang violence around that area. And I remember so clearly this notion of social choreography that I hadn't come across before, really. And so the way the whole company was run was questioning, what is our relationship to each other? What is our relationship to people who come see the work? And one of the ways that they did that was that we had something called a, it was an open studio, an open studio practice. So the church doors were always open and people could literally walk in from the street. There was no, no, the dance space was in the center. So there was also, you could be seen from any side at all times. And what a shock it was for, Mm -hmm. how old was I? I'm not even going to say my age, but I was (laughs) not as old as I am now. Um, 
But I remember the shock from coming from a space where maybe rehearsals happen in a closed room. And then when I was ready, I would share it with the world. And all of a sudden, it's like you're working now. This is your work to be in process. And people might see you in the process. And that is different from when we choose to meet together and say it's a performance. And you don't have to hide until it's time to reveal. So it taught me a lot about performance presence and just to practice being in my body and inviting you know people to see me in any state of the process and also this notion that it wasn't uh yeah that it was like people could walk in and often there would be people working on the computer or reading books and if someone came in from the street and then they would check in and said hey you know do you like want to come in and sit for a while or do you have any questions so you weren't necessarily disturbed as the dancing person. But yeah, there was a lot of things that happened in that year for me, just in terms of thinking about how do I make dances? Who do I make them for? Uh, what is the relationship that I have to the audience or the work itself? And how do I, um, what is the difference in like making the work to then sharing it in the state of a performance? And yeah, uh, Michael and Jeffrey Gormley and Steve Falk wrote a little book called Choreography as an Aesthetics of Change, a book Change, of recommendations. Yeah. And it's a very poetically written, written book, but it did kind of just like open my mind a little bit and my body to what is what is the, yeah, what is the essence of the aesthetic that I'm working in? What is the essence of the relationship? We've been talked a lot about how this work is also about showing up as we are and not as maybe who we want to be or who we thought we <laughs> had to be. So what is that choreography of, of also on a personal level, but also in relationship to other people? Uh, so that was a really big moment for me. <laughs> like when I think about that. Here. Yeah. Because it's so expansive, right? It just means that when you are still asking those questions, it doesn't mean that you won't, in your lifetime, create work that is about execution. It doesn't rule that out. It just means that you are asking the questions because that's providing you with the purpose and the why and all of these things for you in this moment to be like what what you want the work itself to be. And I love it because it, it draws on you know, outcomes and process and what is the product and all of these things in a really interesting open way as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. They're, they're really great. I think there's, you know, some really nice crossover and a really nice kind of openness. You've been very generous in sharing how you're feeling about this and what your process has been and all of those things. And also just you're very generous gorgeous people anyway so (laughs) sorry that comes across oh oh yeah i know i yeah (laughs) yeah so that's really great and i and i i just will end kind of i'll bring it to a little bit of a close a soft close (laughs) no no time no timeline necessarily like him but just what's what's next what's now what's next because I know now for both of you is not just this process. Uh, uh, and we can't possibly, we do not have time to talk about all of the things that these two people are doing independently and together. So um, we won't, but <laughs> that's an, an entirely different podcast. And it's about three, hour, three hours long at least. <laughs> so we, we can about the future of this, uh, what we, we are planning to do next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that yeah? We've been invited to to be part of a festival in Toronto. Uh, it's called Maybe. Made in Canada, and uh, mm-hmm. that will be in August 2023. 
uh, and we're going to do a shorter version or a 20, 20 minute version in yeah. the Toronto, which is going to be great. So that's a, like a, for a mixed bill performance. Would yeah, that be? Still, and it will yeah. be just as a duet, just the two of us. Oh, your duet. Oh, that would be amazing to go back to that experience after all of this. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And then I know you've both just performed in other works. Would you like to mention those just a little bit so people have a sense of other stuff you do? I mean, really, I'm giving you like 30 seconds to explain yeah. your other work. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just. Okay, I'll, I'll, pl- I'll plug mine as like another exploration of, uh, you know, otherness or sameness. Uh, so. I've been working since 2020 on a piece that where I have a cyborg alter ego. So I explore the expansion of my body that includes technology. It's I wear specially designed wearable spine with 148 LED lights. And in a way, like I'm, I'm I like this feeling right now where I'm like sitting and seeing everything through a similar lens. And that's another space where I also have those questions uh, of where where am I the same as this cyborg and where am I different? And what are the gray zones? What are the nuances? What are the moments of joy? And what are the moments of darkness? And they look aesthetically so different. <laughs> <laughs> but in the core, maybe there is still that question of, yeah, who am I? And uh, what am I doing here? And where do I end and someone else begin and where do we yeah. where do we meet where who touches who and, <laughs> yeah 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 no exactly and literally touch because those led this contraption is on you it's on your body so it's like you know you, it, there's a there's a felt pressure from this other being if you like but also there's this plur- pluralistic thing that's coming up again you know in that idea of of representing yourself in more than one way totally. you know like it's got this kind of like yeah, vocabulary that comes from the other, you know, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah, I'm, great. Um, Thank you. I'm performing an excerpt of that at uh, Accelerate, which is Kim Stevenson's The Happening. She usually puts on a show where she mixes her studio with professional dancers in the community. So that's mm-hmm. going to be performed. I think it's January 14th and 15th here at the dance. Great, excellent. Thank you, Arash. Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll just do a quick. Uh, thing about what happened because I know who I went for a while. <laughs> what <laughs> happened? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, very fresh piece, a uh, very new piece just created uh, in collaboration with Alexis Fletcher. Uh, it's a duet uh, and uh, it uh, is uh, based on the beloved Iranian uh, female poet Furuk Farouksad, who passed away 50 years ago. And uh, it's, the piece is based on uh, some of the po- uh, poems of, uh, of, of hers. And we created a, a, a series of uh, scenes and improvisational tasks to perform it for uh, a live audience. And we did it twice at the Hutzpah Festival. And mm-hmm. hopefully it will come to a theater near you, all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for it. What's the title? Do you think? Uh, it's called All My Being is a Dark Verse. You see? <sighs> <sighs> We're not going to get that one in a hurry. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much, both of you. That's so wonderful. So, Arash, who's in the show? Yes, thank you. Uh, So we have Emiliana Fredrickson, who you've heard uh, speaking, myself, Arash. And we have Jolene Lee, Natalie Tinian-Gan, Luciana Dianensel-Sau, 
and Isabel Kerouac. Uh, and we, our lighting designer is um, Jonathan Kim. And our rehearsal director is Kate Franklin. Our uh, stage manager and project manager is Nico uh, Pacheco. I hope I got that his last name right. And yeah, that's that's everybody. And we also have Alex Ma, our good friend, is helping us with some of the uh, sound editing and uh, sound uh, consultation. Wonderful. Thanks so much. That's so Thank great. You. Can you remind us of the dates of your performance at the Dance Center, please? Absolutely. Yes. December, December 8, 9, and 10. Please be there. Be there. <laughs> be there. Be there. In all your beingness, be there. <laughs> Come as you are. Come as you are and bring a friend. Because bring it's, a friend. It's, yeah. Come as you are and bring a friend who can also be themselves. <laughs> and with that, I say adieu. Thank you so much. <laughs> See you both very soon. Lots of love. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre, and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecenter.ca where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programs and events. The music for the Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time.